Uh, a reminder, get your Wake and Rake submissions in. Two NFL games to choose from. No Blue Jays tonight. Important games in Major League Baseball nonetheless. So uh, have a look at the board. Let us know 590-590 where you're leaning tonight. What Blue happened Jays. to your tennis gambling guy? Neil? Neil? Come back. I don't know. Kind of a soft season, right? I guess, I don't know. I feel I will like tennis though. is probably always being played somewhere. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm a golf fan, probably. okay? I was just watching stuff yesterday morning, okay? So I am locked in at weird times and off season. Well, that's what I wanted to mention. I I vowed to be there when Sahit the Gala finally won. Were you? And I was there. boy. I was there. My guy. Sahit the Gala finally wins on the PGA Tour. Uh, but enough about golf because we got... Our man on the line, our insider brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus. We can expect excellence online in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. That is Kevin Barker of Blair and Barker. Good morning, Kevin. Hey, boys. What's up? Hey, I like my walk-up song. That's, that's nice. There you go. I guess that's mine. Yeah. Is it? Did you guys give... Did you guys play that for me? Or I'm, I am like looking it. behind the glass right now, and uh, my man Josh Santos informs me that that is Boba Shett's walk-up mm. song, and he has gifted <laughs> it to you. So, you know, big oh, hitters, just a couple of big hitters coming on. So, yeah, of course <laughs> there you, you got the walk-up. It's, it's funny. Whenever you're struggling, you're changing that song a lot, right? <laughs> it's, it's, you know, you're, you're hoping that that song – from the time you walk, leave the on-deck circle to the time you get to the plate gives you enough rhythm and timing to get the head out and have success. So, yeah, it's kind of it's funny to see guys change up their walk-up song as much as they do. Did you have any anxiety choosing walk-up songs? Because I feel like, I, I don't know, I'm always, mm. like, nervous telling people what type of music I like. I'm like the same like, way. <laughs> like, I don't want to admit that I like this song. Were you like, was that any, uh, did it matter at all? Or were you just yeah, cool playing no. whatever? Yeah, I don't care what people think about my music choices, but I, I will, I will <laughs> say I was, I was never one of those guys that had a walk-up song because I wanted to sneak up on them. Like, I was that 26 guy trying to fight for when there was 25 guys. Like, when I played, there was no 26-man roster. It was 25 guys, and I was usually the 26th guy trying to fight for the 25th spot, and I wanted to be as quiet and as, you know, sneaky as I could possibly be walking to the plate because I, you know, plate awareness and some breaking balls tend to give me some trouble. And if I could sneak up on a guy or two, man, you know, that would keep me in the big league. So I was never that guy that could, you know, was good enough and been in the big leagues long enough to walk up to, to a PR person and say, hey, is it okay <laughs> if I get this song? Yeah, they would have they laughed. I was just picturing that. Maybe not the best way to endear yourself uh, to, to the manager. If uh, they're asking you what's going on in your brain, you're thinking, I'm just trying to figure out exactly what song I need to uh, hear skip. No, you need to figure out, like you said, the breaking ball there. Uh, the, Blue Jays, there the Blue Jays figured out a lot uh, this weekend. It wasn't easy. Some of it was by the skin of their teeth, but they did exactly what they needed to do uh, against the Red Sox. I mean, just kind of big picture thought here. It's a funny game. I mean, we, we've done it all year long, but the amount of dirt that was being poured on him after the Rangers series, and let's be honest, rightfully so, it was a team that just did not take care of business, and all of a sudden, three days later, you look at the wild card standings, and it's a, it's a completely different world. It is so funny, the twists and turns we, we have in this game throughout the long season, eh? Absolutely. I don't know about you guys, but the, the Blue Jays, for me, hasn't changed. Like, they scored 10 runs in three games against the Red Sox. Red Sox Bingo. got some of the worst, worst pitching in baseball. Like, it's, it's not... It, it's not very 
very good. But the pitching staff for the Jays, right? The, the Red Sox, for whatever reason, were having some trouble catching up to some velocity. And to be able to make, you know, some in-inning adjustments the way the the just the whole pitching staff as a whole does with the Blue Jays, it's impressive, right? The the Red Sox not the easiest lineup to work through. It's you know, you got to add and subtract. You got to be able to throw to some weaknesses. You got to be able to adapt and overcome on the fly. And you know the pitching staff for the Blue Jays been doing that all season. And it's just if you can play a clean baseball game on the other side, right? Tag up when you need to tag up. You let the scoreboard tell you exactly what you need to do and when you need to do it and how much you need to do it. And if they can do that because of the way they pitch, and for the most part. John and Petey and Don Mattingly have been picking the right guy at the right time. You know, there's Chad Green's breaking balls been, ah, you know, Jimmy Garcia, you hold your breath. You don't want to watch the TV whenever he's throwing, but it, you know, they're going to try and work him in there because they can't abuse their main every big time situation guys. So they need those, those other guys to step up and, and get the big outs. But you know, this is, I, I think this is the beauty of adding the the extra playoff spots is it gives teams like the Blue Jays who are flawed. It gives the Rangers who are flawed. You know, it gives the Astros this year who are flawed, the, the Mariners who are flawed. Like every single one of those teams have flaws, and this sort of extra playoff spots gives fans of those teams reasons to tune in, and, and baseball for me has hit a home run with those kind of things. So, yeah, it's fun. Like we, we if I would have told you this three or four months ago that there would have been meaningful baseball and and you know that those four teams would have sort of been all over the map and and you would have couldn't wait to wake up and see what you know the Mariners have done and the Astros have done and and you know forget about the Rays the Rays are really good and they're gonna beat most people but it's this is sort of what I think we wanted was to tune into baseball and mul- watch multiple teams and we're getting it which is kind of cool uh, we definitely are. And, and the Blue Jays find a way, despite a nightmarish four-game set against the Rangers, to actually strengthen their position uh, based on last Monday with nine results going in their favor over the weekend. Uh, do you feel... Do you feel strong, more strong about their chances, even beyond the fact that, hey, the Rangers and Mariners just play each other uh, seven times over the course or over the last uh, two weeks of the season? Like, it, it, there's something from the weekend that gives you more hope. You said it's the same old Jays. Is it just come down to the scheduling now? You mentioned those four teams. The Jays don't have to play them anymore. Is that the main thing working in their favor here after what was clearly uh, a feast or famish week? Yeah, I think so. I, I, look, I think we've been talking about Vladdy all year. You know, I, I think the the just the one consistent move now with all the mechanical things that happen to be able to get him to a finish and and have him balanced at the end and just be able to stay square to the baseball right is is a big deal. A lot of the year here, he's been two parts. Right, the foot will go, uh, the hands will be second. It's not one fluid motion where when I move something, everything's following. It's in tune it's in line that's why he's able to get to the finish and you're seeing right uh, that breaking ball that he hit one-handed he's able to do that because he is all of a sudden has one move and and you know is more consistent and you know, everybody says and, and wants to throw it off to he's getting better pitches to hit. I think he's been swinging for the most part at good pitches. It's just mechanically he's sort of been all over the place. And then you add to the mix, Bo wasn't there for a little while. And, you know, he listens to the media a little bit too much, which he does. These guys are like that now. It's, uh, you know, they want to look on Twitter. They want to look on Instagram. They want to listen to Blair and Barker and see how much Barker, you know, is talking stuff about their mechanics and how bad they look and why aren't 
they're doing this and they should be doing that. And, you know, sometimes you just get need to sort of eliminate those kind of things. And I do like when he got on the field that one day and, and started thinking about staying square, having a little bit of length to your swing, and thinking right center. Sounds silly. It's baseball 101, and an elite offensive player should always be able to do that. Oh, yeah, he's been having issues doing that. And now all of a sudden, because of just the mindset and being on time with the shoulders, staying square, able to get to, you know, your big finish enables him to hit the ball to the moon. It's, you know, it's kind of nice to watch. So I, I do think that's a little bit better. It's just the clean baseball part of it. That. For you know, sometimes it's just they overthink it. Like it just—it's like the normal fan of baseball that would watch the Blue Jays. You know, when when everybody knows they should be tagging up, they're halfway. Like it's like, what what are you dudes doing? It's it's that part of it, right? That if they if they got twenty seven outs, if they are elite with twenty seven outs. They scored 10 runs in three games. It's not like they're going to bludgeon people. And they still got some, you know, some American League East teams who know how to pitch them and, you know, know that don't throw Dalton Varsho a breaking ball. He could pull that with backspin. You know, with two strikes, don't throw a fastball middle away to Chapman. He don't like the elevated fastball. Like, they know these things, right? So this is why the manager and the all the coaches, you know, you saw poor little Louis Rivera jumping up and down over there, back, back, tag up like <laughs> You can just see that everybody else knows it except the dude that's on the base. So it's if they can just clean that up and use the 27 outs the way they're supposed to use them because they have pitching and they play elite outfield defense most of the time, I think at least they will give themselves a chance to win that game. And because I, I really do they th think they have more talent than most, they will be in a playoff spot, but it's that, it's those two words, clean baseball. That, that is just, you know, can they do that enough to not beat themselves? And if they can, we, we'll be talking about them in October and, and, you know, hopefully, I don't know if it, we, if, if it wants to be the Rays or not, but you just get in, I think is the most important part. And because you have good pitching, you'll have a chance. Yeah, that's exactly it. As you you look at the changes that were made to this team in the offseason, and so much was it about pitching and defense. But the third part of that is the thing you kept hammering home, is you have to play fundamentally sound baseball. You cannot be the pitching and defense team who has these brain cramps with things like tagging up or, you know, earlier in the year, the, the defense was more of an issue with airmail throws and things along those lines. You know, you mentioned the pitching there, and the, the starters specifically, I mean, you can lump the bullpen in as well they've been asked to walk such a tightrope with the limited offense they they've got do you have any concern about the i don't want to say the wheels falling off because that's way too strong a term but just these guys have been asked to be so perfect i mean you look at kikuchi you look at gosman the lack of run support they typically get do you worry about the kind of fatigue factor setting in not just for the amount of innings these guys have pitched into the year you love starters that can give you innings like that but it's been how tight a tightrope they've had to walk for for most of the year yeah, we asked John that on Friday when he came on our show. He comes on once a week. I asked him that. Was he concerned about that? He said absolutely not. He, he They seemed to think if if that was going to be a thing, it would have happened already, right? They, I mean, they've been basically playing playoff games since, uh, since August 1st. So, you know, it's not like all of a sudden September – 
eighth or ninth, you know, they're they're starting to have these games where every single pitch matters, and you better make sure you add and subtract and sequencing and everything that goes into being a really good pitcher. You need to do though they and most of the names you just mentioned, they're veteran guys. Like they know how to adjust, you know, off field things, which every single one of those guys have done. Gosman, I've seen throw two bullpens between starts. He's never done that before, right? He doesn't do it all the time, but sometimes when the split finger's not working, which you know he doesn't like to throw that he will throw it when he has to throw it between starts to make it that much better the point is they do whatever it takes to look their best when the bell rings and i think that's the most important part of it you can't teach experience like i you know everybody wants these young dudes to come up and and can't wait to see this guy i like experience every once in a while i like a dude that you know sometimes it's not i'm going to rear back and let it eat i'm going to take a little off let you get yourself out like i i sort of like that occasionally and i i think the five guys you just mentioned there's that's sort of what they're doing they know how to adjust they don't need you know pete walker to walk up to them and go hey why don't you throw less between starts they know these things already because they've been through this and you know they they know and they understand how their offense looks and they understand that you know even Bassett when you hear him talk between starts when he's very good at it like he's very good at saying it without saying it and this is sort of what when you're trying to be leaders of your team you know you most of them dudes are leading by example it's not you know they're not running in clubhouses like everybody in Canada wants them to do and flip over tables when you're not you know tagging up or punch somebody in the neck when you're supposed to do that baseball doesn't work that way you lead by example right if a if a guy is working hard and you see it translating on the field if i'm a teammate of his i want to do that i want to know why it's working for him and i think most of those guys are that way but when you listen to bassett talk he you know he says all the right things he says it when he's supposed to say it and you know, I just think when they have experience, they've been through these ups and downs. They know how the grind is supposed to look and you're supposed to act while you're going through the grind. It's something for these guys to lean on. So that's why I said I, it's just clean baseball. Their pitching is so good. Their outfield defense is so good. Most of the time their infield defense is good enough that if they just clean, play clean baseball and do the little things when they're supposed to do it, because they're playing, you guys know, they're playing for the one inning. It's not like they're going to score two two runs in the first, three in the third, four in the fifth, like just not going to work that way. It's, you know, a five-run sixth inning is what they're playing for, and they have to, you know, run the bases the right way, get good leads, have big secondary leads if you're not a fast runner, Alejandro Kirk, right? It's just little things. Things like that that can take your team to the next level, and fingers crossed that they can do it down the stretch here. Yeah, what you're what you're talking about is very very thin margins because the margins are thin with the Blue Jays because they can't score runs whenever they need to. Uh, they're somewhat susceptible or have been susceptible this year to one great hitter on the other side wreaking havoc on a series, and they were pretty close to that with Rafael Devers hitting two huge home runs and nearly changing the series by himself. What makes him such a great hitter? Yeah, I th- well, look, I, I think he lets the scoreboard tell him how his at-bat's going to go. You can tell against Swanson there, he threw a first pitch, uh, first pitch uh, split finger. He took Big Daddy Hack. Like, Big Daddy Hacks are, I'm trying to have a little bit more weight on my backside. I'm trying to get the barrel out front with loft. I want to get it in the air to the pull side. And, you know, his swing is sort of geared up for that. And he has elite velocity and, and bat-to-ball skills and, 
you know, he can hit uh, the fastball up, which is, it was a good pitch, right? I would have rather seen Swanson throw a split finger. I think if you make it look like a strike, he'll chase it because he's trying to do too much. That's sort of Devers' little bugaboo is, you know, if you make it look like a strike in big situations, he'll get himself out. But he has everything you need. He has bat speed. He has good rotation with his hips. Uh, he lets the scoreboard dictate how his bat's supposed to look. Uh, you have to make a really good pitch. You have to right have really good misses. And when your miss is not as far missing as you want it to be, even if it's 97 above the belt, he can still level out his swing enough and, and use the entire field. Look, line to line don't grow on trees. Blue Jays been looking for, that, looking for that forever. They don't have one. When you see it, it's remote stopping. Devers is one of those guys. That's why you have to be fine. You have to, with your sequencing and the way those pitches look, right? If you got to throw him six split fingers in a row, you got to throw him six split fingers in a row. So, you know, occasionally a good dude will beat you. That's sort of what happened there. Thank God for Vladdy's sake. He had the uh, the weekend he had, and the Blue Jays did, because I could only imagine the conversation we'd be having if he was looking like that, and Vladdy didn't have the uh, the three bombs that that he had. Uh, I don't want to put this all on on this guy. Uh, Davis Schneider's been incredible since he came up, but an O for weekend for him, including O for six. Uh, just a little reminder for us all that uh, baseball is a game of failure, and you can't really, I mean, you can't bank on it when it's Bo Bichette. Forget about a guy like Davis Schneider. There's a reason. He was in the minors uh, for up until the point in time he was this year. And I'm not saying he can't come back and have a productive rest of the season, but a good little reminder for all of us that, uh, that, that very little is, is promised in baseball, especially for a guy with the relatively limited sample size. Someone like him has. Yeah. Look, their, their run producers don't grow on trees. And when you're trying to force that, it's hard sometimes, right? I mean, he he's a young guy. You know, I, I mean, if I asked you three months ago who David Snyder was, you'd go, uh, I don't know. Then you'd, have look, <laughs> then, you'd have, then you'd have to look it up. And you got to think about this, too. He's sitting clean up for the Toronto Blue Jays in, in the middle of September, it, which is just – it's – it's mind-boggling to me. I said this uh, basically the first day I got into spring training when the, after they traded to Oscar Hernandez, and I was talking to Jeff, and Jeff was asking me what, would I, what I was seeing and what was going on. And the very first thing and the sort of the theme of spring training was sitting cleanup. Who's protecting Vladdy? They don't have one, right? When you got 10 different dudes and that position is basically for your lineup and in baseball, one of the worst when it comes to just driving and runs, you can't teach that, right? I just talked about the rotation and the pitching staff and how much experience matters. Hitting cleanup and protecting one of your better hitters in the order, you have to have experience doing that. You have to understand that, right? If you don't like the elevated fastball, they're going to attack that. If you fix that, they're going to figure out how other ways because of where you're hitting in the order to attack you. Now you don't like the ball away, right? It's sort of a, okay, now A, you figured out. B, you have to figure out. Can he do both of those? That's the thing, right? Because, again, there's nothing against Davis Snyder. I love it. It's, it's tremendous. But he's hitting cleanup for the, for the Toronto Blue Jays. Like, it's just mind-boggling that a team that is, you know, talked about in the way the Blue Jays are talked about, no offense again, that Davis Snyder – is hitting cleanup for the Toronto Blue Jays. So, yeah, this is a tall order. I mean, it is like uh, 
again, they're going to attack that little fastball up. They're going to attack that slider away. They're not going to throw him a fastball on a fastball count. He's going to come up with a, you know, a, a runner at second base with two outs. They're not going to pitch around him. They're going to attack his weakness because they know what it is because of where he's hitting in the order. And he's going to come up with tons of traffic. It is a tall order, guys. Like that, I've tried this. And I've never tried this in a pennant race like the Blue Jays are and, and trying to make the playoffs and every single pitch matters the way it does and every at bat, you know, in the first inning, if he comes up with first and second is, is a huge deal. I've never been through that, but I've tried to drive in and run the big leagues and I've tried to do it in the middle of the order and I've tried to do it when you're, so, you know, not a household name. It's not easy. It's a tall order. Like it's a, it's a lot to ask. Hopefully for his sake, fingers crossed, it doesn't sort of be too much for him. But this gets back to that thing, right? It's it's just when you don't solidify that spot and you're trying to piece it together with the var, var shows and the you know the big strided Matt Chapmans and the Davis Snyders who nobody's ever heard of, and you can throw Kevin Biggio in there, who God love him, right? It's uh it's the you know he's he's got a straighter, more uh, up and down upper half, which gives him a better chance to level out his swing. We saw that right, the three two fastball. He went with the you know the little dry, line drive to left. At least gives him a chance to do that, but he's hitting in the middle of the order. Like I, I just I don't want to laugh at that because it's not funny. It's a little, but funny. it is. It is sort of funny that this time of the year. If I would have told you that, you would have said, uh, "Did Ross Atkins get fired?" Like I, and they're in it because of their pitching and because of their outfield defense. But offensively, they're asking from dudes a lot. I like protection and run producing is hard. It's not a team stat. People like to say that, Jeff Blair, that it's a team stat. It's not. It's very individual. It's a team that gets on base in front of you, but it's a very individual thing, and you really got to be in tune with mechanics and mindset and what you're trying to do, and you really got to buy into something, and you can't let that do get you out of that, and when you do, you tend to chase, and it looks like Davis looks now. So fingers crossed. I mean, I think they're going to continue to throw him out there. They'll they'll play the hot hand. John tells you that right. He's not afraid to pinch it for people, everyday guys, and and do whatever it takes to try and give the offense a chance to have the big inning. But, man, it's a lot. Like, I think we should just uh, be happy for those that they're here and, you know, sort of pray for them that they can get through <laughs> this because it's a lot. I mean, I say I don't I don't mean that in a bad way. But, I, I guys, I've tried this. It, it is it – is, and now you're facing teams you're sort of trying to get to the same – places you're trying to get to and they're going to attack their khakis are really smart too they know what you can't do and you're going to have to occasionally hit that so for davis's sake hopefully he can take a fastball and, and backspin it to right field and sort of get him out of that maybe they can get back to his strength so it's it's going to be fun down the stretch to watch every single one of these guys battle themselves because that's sort of what we're in now, right? It's you are what you are. You know what your weaknesses are. You know what it takes to help you do little things to have success. So it'll be fun to watch them try and figure out every little thing to, you know, to help their team win a baseball game. I think Blair and Barker is going to be pretty fun uh, later on today too. Uh, we got to fly, Kevin. This was uh, this was great. Thanks for coming on this morning. And yeah, we'll be listening later today. I appreciate that. You guys have a good week. Enjoy the baseball. It's fun. Meaningful baseball in September. That's what everybody wanted. And that's what we got. Uh, again, that's Kevin Barker, Insider, brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. People like Jeff.
can we just clip that and have that ready for off the top of Blair and Barker today? Oh God. I love those two. And it was weird. Cause he wasn't, I don't think trying to hype me up. He just seemed really frustrated. I'm ready to run through a wall right now. <laughs> yeah. Let's go. Let's go, baby. Kevin Barker, if that cannot wake you up uh, at 825 on a, on a Friday, ah, boy, don't we all wish. Monday morning, nothing will. Yeah, I got a feeling. Uh, I mean, that, that all spawned from uh, the David Schneider. Just, uh, you know, not, not a great weekend. Uh, but yeah, I don't think the Blue Jays have a cleanup hitter. Uh, let's not waste any more time because we got Elliot Friedman. After the break, we'll talk Speaking about Speaking of cleanup hitters. Yeah, this is no power. No, no power issues with Elliot Friedman. Uh, we will do Friedge next. Dive deep into Toronto sports and the NFL. The JD Bunkus podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, back on the Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 590, the fan, Justin Cuthbert and Brent Gunning. Big news over the weekend in the NHL, and it's, uh, it's NHL season, by the way. Leafs training camp begins Wednesday. It's always NHL season in here, in my heart. But yes, it's upon us. Mike Babcock officially resigning as head coach before he even really got started with the Columbus Blue Jackets. To talk about that and more, let's bring in, uh, well, the source. It's Elliot Friedman of 32 Thoughts and, of course, our NHL insider here at Sportsnet. Good morning, Elliot. Thanks for jumping on this morning. Good morning, guys. No problem. So, uh, you know, everyone sort of understands the backstory at this point. Uh, you know, uh, there were some allegations last week, spit and chicklets. Uh, Boone Jenner comes out in defense of his coach just a little bit. And there are people defending Mike Babcock. But I guess as the investigation continued, it got to the point where fewer people were willing to back Mike Babcock. So what sort of changed in terms of or what sort of evolved as they went through this uh, investigation? And we reached the point Sunday where Mike Babcock was stepping down as head coach of the Columbus Blue Jackets. You know, I think what it came down to is that there were some interactions that were, I guess, professional, and there were some that weren't. And um, it became pretty clear that some of the ones that weren't involved younger players. And I think, obviously, that was uh, a major concern. But, you know, it basically came out that there was one interaction in particular where, um, you know, it was away from the team facility, and apparently Babcock had the phone for two minutes. I, I, I've heard differing estimates on the link, so I don't really want to go there because I, I don't know for sure. But he, he had the phone at least for a few minutes, and that really raised a lot. And, uh, you know, if there was anything else that really uh, had people uh, concerned, I don't know about it. I was told about that one specifically. But look, Babcock had to be speaking things. He had to be basically perfect. Uh, he was given another chance. And, um, you know, from what I understand about this, it, and especially since it wasn't the way, like, Hugo and Jenner described their interactions. But honestly, guys, I think one of the, one of the wildest things about um, the last few days is just how many people actually said that when Babcock had done this to them, and it happened many times before. Uh, some people who didn't even like that thought said it was done very professional. But in some cases, it obviously wasn't. And in this one particular case, it definitely wasn't. And when you have to be perfect, this fell short of that. And uh, the other thing, too, is like some of the young players, 
Like, this is going to be, these are supposed to be the players for the next generation of Blue Jacks. The players are supposed to be the core of the team. And you can't have those players being uncomfortable with their head coach in that way. So it, like, basically on Thursday night, someone told me that there was no way this was going to be well. It was just a matter of waiting for it to sort itself out. Uh, Elliot, we're going to quickly reconnect with you because the line is just a little bit fuzzy and we want to make sure that uh, we fix it for the remainder of the interview. So we'll reconnect with Elliot in a second there. And yeah, as he mentioned, you know, he had to be perfect. He wasn't perfect. The safeguards maybe not in place, but that he had a player's phone for two minutes is a is, couple, is, of, is, minutes, a couple yeah. of minutes is what Elliot like. That is certainly an invasion of privacy. And yep. if we're going to relitigate it or we're going to litigate it ourselves, like that is a bridge too far to have someone's personal property where there are things that are very, very personal and mm-hmm. private uh, that probably should not be something that unfolds at any workplace. And when you're Mike Babcock with all of the baggage that Mike Babcock brought with him to Columbus, I mean, that's really enough. Yeah, it's funny the way you you mentioned that, and it's just very hitting home for me because, you know, there's nothing on my phone I'm not uh, unproud of. But, you know, if I got to give my phone over to IT right now for them to do it, I don't know how overly comfortable uh, I feel. Reconnected now with us on the line, Elliot Friedman. Uh, Fridge, thanks so much for jumping back on. I uh, appreciate you reconnecting. No problem. Okay, uh, so there is uh, so Fridge. One of the questions I have uh, regarding this is the terminology uh, being used. The fact that he resigned. I don't know how much is known about this, but I would imagine someone like Mike Babcock, who just signed a contract worth a pretty healthy chunk of change. I don't know mm-hmm. that he would be willingly walking away from all of that. And you know, we know MLSE was wholly able to pay Mike Babcock to not coach the team. I imagine the finances are quite different for a lot of teams across the NHL. Do we have any insight on the finances involved in this in terms of him resigning, him getting what is owed to him contractually? Maybe this is a firing with cause. I'm not sure how much insight you have on that, Fridge. I don't believe, as we sit here right now, that this is a firing with cause. What it says to me is that, um, you know, everybody wanted this to go away. Columbus, as fast as possible, they realized it was um, not it was untenable. Columbus has a previously scheduled media conference for today, and they're supposed to. And like Pascal Vincent's being introduced officially today, but they already had a press conference scheduled for today, kind of their opening of training camp. And and I think the Blue Jackets and everybody else realized there was no point in So just what I'm guessing is that the lawyers got involved on both sides and they hammered out. I believe that's what occurred. I can't tell you exactly what it is. I believe Babcock's contract is two times four, and I'm, I'm assuming they just worked out a settlement. Uh, one one party I'm interested in here uh, with this story is Boone Jenner because, of course, he comes out of the defense of Babcock. Uh, I don't know how influenced he was to make that statement, but it was a team statement. I mean, he was definitely part of the discussions behind the scenes as the Blue Jackets initially unpacked this information. But I thought for a second yesterday, like, is his leadership somewhat undermined when, you know, it seemed like he chose a side and it wasn't a side of a teammate uh, who he represents and it was the side of the head coach? I mean, do you worry at all about him being wrapped up in something that he didn't really belong being wrapped up in? You know, I think that's a great question, Justin. I think we're all kind of waiting to see what the answers are. 
You know, uh, Faisal was talking about, like last night, I think another one of the questions people are asking is, um, what's going to happen to the Columbus front office? Like, is there any, any consequences there? And honestly, I think in this kind of situation, you almost have to compartmentalize. Say, okay, what's the first thing we've got to sort out? That was bad thought. Okay, now that's been sorted out. Now we can move on to the next thing. And I think that there are, I think now the attention focuses on both the consequences to the other people in the Blue Jackets organization, whether it's front office, business side, or the players. And I think those are all things we're curious about. Like I've been asked that question a lot in the last couple of days. You know, is there, you know, the fact that Jenner and Video defended Babcock publicly, does that have a private consequence? And I think we're going to find that all out. Um, you know, obviously the players are going to be available this week on Wednesday uh, for the first day of training camp, and we'll hear what they have to say. But, um, you know, I do think a lot of us are wondering about that. Like, I had people say to me, okay, can Jenner still be the captain? The answer is, I don't know. It just depends on, you know, how the other players feel and what the Jenner say to them privately. You know, staying for Guido, who's on a leadership role on that team. Um, I think we'll get a better answer uh, once the players start to talk and we can not only hear what they say, but, you know, kind of the looks on their faces and the tone of, of, of how they say things. Right? I think we're all kind of curious to see what the fallout is going to be in a lot of different yeah, there's there's many different ways you you could look at it. Um, the the thing that I also kind of I won't say raised alarm bells, but made me wonder when I saw the way this played out is, and I want to be clear, there is no connection other than the PR aspect of it. But do you think that the way this played out with Mike Babcock hampers the? possibility of Joel Quenville getting reinstated by the league. My understanding is him and Bowman were at that coaches and GMs meeting. I think it was last Friday or two weeks ago to speak to the league. Do you think that this would pour potentially cold water on that just given the PR? And again, the two instances aren't connected in any way other than the way it would reflect upon the league. But do you think that this possibly uh, causes a pause with, with any momentum that was happening there? You know, Brad, I wonder about that too. Um, I think the, the thing is, like, I think cases should be judged on their own merits. Like, I, I really do. I, I don't necessarily think that because bad talk, uh, you know, didn't work out here, that that should influence anybody else. What I do think is going to be the case here is that we were ta- I was talking about this with a few people yesterday. Is that I wonder if people in the position of hiring are going to be more afraid. They're going to look and say, okay, this is what happened in this particular case, and the fallout has not only affected Babcock, but it's all over the people who hired him, too. And we also don't know what the consequences are going to be ultimately for the Blue Jackets. We haven't heard them. You know, Yarmulkeke Lyon was asked about it yesterday at the prospect tournament, and this was before the announcement that Babcock was resigning, and he didn't—he wouldn't answer those questions. So we'll see. I mean, assuming he was just waiting and he'll do it today. But like, that's what I wonder about: is if people are going to look at this and say, "Boy, that didn't work out well for those guys. Look how they got embarrassed." I'm not putting myself in that position. So I think it becomes an even bigger question, not necessarily for the people who need, need a second chance or crave a second chance. 
I think the question becomes bigger for those who are positioned Yeah, just because that's where I think this could have the most. Yeah. Sorry, Elliot. Just uh, yeah, just because uh, you know Mike Babcock's turned in his blue jacket uh, sweatsuit doesn't mean uh, this story is going to be finished. There's some more layers and some more things to figure out as we unpack it. You and Jeff will be doing it wonderfully on Thirty Two Thoughts. We look forward to uh, you know uh, continuing on with the story and uh, hearing your thoughts on it. Uh, we appreciate you jumping on this morning, and uh, we'll do this again soon. All right, guys. Take care. Have a great week. That's Elliot Friedman of 32 Thoughts and, of course, an NHL insider here at Sportsnet. We apologize for the fuzzy connection, but we wanted to get as much information as we could uh, out of Elliot. Um, yeah, very, very interesting story. Uh, it, it just seems like it's it's going to continue, like the tentacles of this thing is just going to keep going a little bit because it's not as simple as being like, ah, Maybe Mike Babcock won't coach. It, it is it is more than that. I think that part's actually really simple. Yeah, that is the, yeah, that is definitely done the with simple that. part. So we'll see what happens with Kekalina and John Davids in the Blue Jackets. We'll see if it affects anyone else who is not in the same bucket because it's sort of crass to be putting people in similar buckets when all these uh, situations are different. You know, I, I also, I just want to throw this part out there. Mm-hmm. No one needs uh, me to defend him. But as much as we're making sure not to lump Quenville in with the Babcock bucket, I think Mike Babcock would like to say, hey, I just looked at some guys' phones. Don't lump me in with what happened in Chicago. I think that's I think it's pretty fair to say we shouldn't be lumping them in with each other, but that's not just a one-way street. I think both of them would say, "Yeah, don't you dare lump me in with that yeah, situation." Yeah, I mean, it's separate issues. Totally. It, 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 it's yeah, but but it's it's the same in that it's how these coaches are may or may not be welcome back in and whether or not there's going to be forgiveness on certain things, not on other things or forgiveness at all, but I think it's safe to say with Mike Babcock right now, it's done. Like oh, I cannot yeah. no, see no, another no, no. scenario where he involves himself in the NHL. He's in not any going way. back to the Huskies. Forget about he's the not, NHL. He's not going back to a panel. He's not going back. Like the, it's it's done. It's cabin, right? It's yeah. cabin for Mike Babcock. Which, by and, the way, he said was the reason he was most excited uh, about coaching in Columbus because it was two hours from his cottage. Oh, there you go. So that's, Gert, that, that's pretty close. Still close. Now you can just be at that cottage. Uh, and again, he got every last penny from the Maple Leafs. He probably got a settlement here, as Elliot Friedman mm. alluded to. So financially, this man is okay, but the hockey thing seems like it's fully and completely passed him by and him, you know, the violation of privacy with at least one player that is reported and alleged and apparent and probably very, very true is probably enough for all of that to go away for him. Yeah, no, I I don't see how I don't see how there's ever a return now. And that's just because. You know, if this if something would have come out where there's problems in the room and the way he was dealing with things, you know, I guess it was a two year deal. We understand. But two years into the tenure, it's very different than, oh, before you even got a chance to do this again, you're already back in the doghouse for more or less the exact same stuff. You know, one one second chance is one thing, but a third chance very, very rarely comes around. And quite honestly, right, rightfully so. So, yeah, it is. uh I, I'd be floored if you see that again. I think the fallout in Columbus, like you said, is not done. What does this mean for Boone Jenner? Can the Leafs trade for him uh, 30 <laughs> cents on the dollar? Please, 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 please. What does it mean for Jarmo Kekalainen? He has been the ultimate caretaker general manager where, hey, lights are on. Are you making, is the, are things successful? Eh, occasionally. 
Kinda. We got some high picks. Made the playoffs sometimes. Is that good enough for you? I think for a lot of Columbus's tenure, yeah, that has been. It's kind of the best of both worlds. Occasional interest, occasional injection of talent, but it has been the ultimate spin-your-wheels-nothing franchise kind of during the entirety of his tenure. And I know they beat the Leafs, and I know they beat the Lightning, and that's uh, one more playoff series win than the Leafs have in that time. But you just see the trajectory there, and there's really never been anything overly exciting being built there. So forget, oh, I shouldn't say forget about it, but you add everything that's happened regarding Babcock to just the actual hockey track record there. I think there was enough cause for concern just looking at that. Now you throw in all this, I don't, I don't see how that isn't cause for a new direction other than the fact that a team like Columbus, who let's be real about what it is, you know, the purse strings are what they are. I highly doubt they want to go pay a severance or pay a guy to be a general manager slash president who's not there when they're probably going to have to at least partially pay Mike Babcock. I was going to throw some uh, trivia at you a little earlier, but I'll revisit now. Okay. Over under eight and a half coaches, Johnny Gaudreau's career. Wow. Let's think. Going into his 10th NHL season. I mean, the way you've prefaced it, I feel like it's over. I kind of gave it yeah. away, I guess, with they yeah. Nine. Nine Sheesh. in 10 years. Now, you're not, that's, it's, it says something about the organizations, I guess, that you've played for. It says that, you know, Bill Peters got fired when Bill Peters was, you know, yeah, I, I don't, don't want to put him in a bucket. But I don't think that it. was Johnny. I can safely say yeah. that was not Johnny Goudreau's fault. Uh, Mike Babcock, of course. But like, it, and, and you make the decision to go to Columbus where things are completely unsettled. Uh, it's it's definitely not a Johnny Quickly. Goudreau problem, but it's been a problem for Johnny Goudreau. No, no, uh, like consistency when it comes to the coaching staff and the people that are coaching Johnny Goudreau led teams. Yeah, uh, I, I just sweep for him. He uh, what? He went to the quietest place you could get the most money and wound up in a firestorm. So maybe you should have tried to sign for a team that could win. And then you would have had a firestorm that was actually, you know, fun to be in as opposed to whatever all this is. So that is actually, I look, athletes are allowed to do whatever they want. They're allowed to prioritize and care about things, but I also am allowed to prioritize and care about different things. There are a few things I loathe more than somebody who just doesn't want it. They want to go to somewhere quiet. They want to go to where it doesn't matter. And I suppose Johnny Goudreau could say it's closer to home, but it's not that close. And somewhere closer to home would have mattered more. So I look at I I, I look at him and I say, you know what? This is a little shot and Freud on my part. Good. I'm happy you got your nice quiet Columbus where you can count your money. Oh, what? Not so quiet. If quiet is what Johnny Goudreau was looking for, I think the Babcock uh, resignation will help him achieve that. Yes, it's very loud now, and then we'll never think about it again. Let's uh, try to achieve a parlay mm. cash on the Wake and Rake. Let's do that now. Wake up! Now it's time for Wake and Rake. You could be raking in the dough with your kind of accuracy. Show me the money. With Ailish and Justin. Okay, so not many uh, submissions given, but we have a few dedicated listeners who are always there. Corey from Port Hope, Eric Biggie in Burlington. Uh, We'll start with Corey from Port Hope. He likes the Saints minus three tonight. I don't know if I love the Saints minus three, but Big E in Burlington is backing him with Saints minus three, Steelers mm. plus two and a half, and the Twins one and a half. I'm okay with just throwing the Saints in just because yep, good with me. it is what the people want. Uh, I'm going to make it a second NFL pick and mm. go Steelers money line. It's plus 110 okay. just to juice things up 
uh, just a little bit, and I'll leave you to one more. I was going uh, Nick Chubb anytime TD. I know that goes a touch against what you're looking at with your Steelers money line there, but uh, it's okay. This is a guy who, uh, look, there's going to be some points scored in that game, and I think Nick Chubb is literally the most likely one. He has the shortest odds. Give it to me. I feel good about it, and most importantly, I love rooting for scores. So that's why I like Nick Chubb anytime TD minus 110. Minus 110, right? So that's going to give us, uh, you know, three even, uh, basically even parlays. That's going to be around plus 500, I believe. Uh, Is there anything from a storyline, non-betting standpoint that intrigues you about tonight? I I think the Steelers have been a trendy pick uh, for a lot of people this year. A lot of people backing the Steelers. They got Mm -hmm. kind of embarrassed, not kind of, pretty embarrassed by the 49ers in week one. And the 49ers had their hands full to a certain extent with the LA Rams who have been one of the surprise teams uh, but uh, the NFC South is not all that interesting and it'll be profiled mm-hmm. tonight but Pittsburgh and what people were saying based on uh, what we saw in week one a bounce back performance is very very important from them and I still think the jury's out on Kenny Pickett I, I think you need to see something this year to have any belief that they're going to take a step and I think a lot of people were predicting that no one has ever no group of people have been collectively so right as the NFL world was ready to be about the Steelers so I just knew that this was not going to go as smooth as everyone thought 49ers that's a tough team although like you said you saw one against the Rams maybe we feel a touch differently uh, about it but they also feel like a team that's kind of perfectly built to give a younger Steelers team headaches. I, I, I do uh, like the Browns in this game tonight. Uh, so I'm I'm uh, going away from what you're thinking a little bit there. But just I think this is a classic early season NFL game that is ripe for big, big swings and big takes one way or another. Because if the Steelers come out and look like they can hang, all of a sudden, hey, the NFC North is this juggernaut we thought it was going to be. And or sorry, the AFC North is, is this juggernaut. There's very little separation. But if one of those teams and I think it's more likely it's the Browns, but if one of those teams really separates, then you can start to see a bit of a delineation there. We've already talked about the Bengals today and the possible year from hell they're mm-hmm. having. Ravens look good despite losing all the talent they lost in week one, specifically Dobbins there for, for the year. So uh, yeah, I think this is a, it's just a classic early season NFL game that we get to do big, big overreaction one way or another. And honestly, if, if you're in this business and can't get excited about that, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, Cleveland favorites on the road, they go to 2-0, and with a victory, you'd have two two and O teams, two O and two teams. One of those O and two teams, as you mentioned, would be the Cincinnati Bengals and the Pittsburgh Steelers. So a lot on the line early on in that division. Again, can't get excited as excited about the NFC South. Uh, but Bryce Young, uh, pretty fascinating, right? I mean, mm-hmm. CJ Stroud was pretty brilliant. Anthony Richardson has had some moments. It's, I guess, up to Bryce Young to continue to uh, rationalize that number one overall selection. For whatever reason, it seemed like it would be slower for him to mm-hmm. get to that point. Uh, I don't really know the justification as to why. Uh, but, you know, Carolina felt like he was the best quarterback in the draft. And it feels like there's got, there's a bunch of good quarterbacks in this draft and that Bryce young will have to keep pace. Yeah. I think when you look at Carolina, probably the reason we were a little less bullish on him is just the jettisoning them offensive talent that's happened there. You see McCaffrey, the loss of receiver as well. So it just kind of is slowly building up there where things make a little more sense. It's a little cleaner everywhere else. Even with the Colts and Richardson, you can just see them handing him more of the car keys because of his physical tools. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see. We love new quarterbacks in the league. So curious 
see you tonight. So week two in the NFL wraps up uh, one day before the Blue Jays will get back in action with the critical four series to close out the year. Of course, they improve their standing a bunch over the weekend and we'll see if they can continue that momentum tomorrow night. Gunner, this was fun this morning. Uh, Ailish will be back tomorrow fun. on the Fan Morning Show.